one. Beautiful. It says uh, office hours 46. Thank you for tuning in, watching, reading this, whatever medium you digested in. Grateful that you're spending some time here with us. I'm Tyler Bryden, CEO of Speak AI. And closing out the year. So it uh, looks like we were just talking. We've got some sort of meta topics uh, that we have included in the list of, of topics today. So excited to have this conversation uh, and uh, also a little bit of um, just some tactical and strategic things in there too. So we'll, we'll have a good conversation today. Let you uh, guys go ahead and do some intros and then we'll jump into a uh, topic. Sure. Uh, this is Lauren, the accountant here. I'm very excited to have a discussion. There seems to be a very long list, very long laundry list here. So let's have a good one. Hey everyone, uh, Nihal, Digital Strategist here, and uh, just enjoying my giant bottle of water. All right. Uh, hello, everyone. This is Watsal, uh, back on the board again. Uh, uh, I'm in India, and uh, it's around like 10 o'clock. Uh, actually, technically, it's 10.30. Uh, and uh, in the evening, I just had a nice walk uh, and see a, a couple of friends near to the water after a very long time. When I was in Toronto, it was, you know, near to the harbor front. Uh, it's always the reflection of uh, the nice time. It's always the Friday evening. Uh, so I was just been there, had a long day, uh, working on a couple of things here and there. Uh, and uh, yeah, looking forward for discussing a couple of points here today. And then Batsu, maybe you want to jump into your topic. I actually just saw uh, infographic on this. So jump into your topic and then I'll just back it up with some, it sounds like some pretty data-driven stats on, on it. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, I just put a point about when I was walking and, and like, you know, reflecting a couple of things, I was listening to one of the podcasts and uh, uh, one thing triggered to me is like, okay, during the Christmas time, you know, uh, how, how, as a business, how, how do you tackle uh, is, do you want to grab an opportunity uh, to promote your platform and you know because people are also uh, shopping at the same time and having some fund available at the end of the year uh, because I, I definitely know like you know a lot of people have the budget allocated uh, in different categories let's say the expenses the entertainment learning and uh, as, a, as, a, as a SaaS platform of course we we are focused on the B2B uh, but that at the same time when you look at uh, our subscription, it also does support to the B2C. It's like, you know, if you want to subscribe for the yearly plan and something like that, or even $99 for monthly. Uh, so uh, in terms of the marketing, what should be, you know, our focus is that uh, slow down and, you know, try, I mean, you know, plan for the next year or, or maybe beginning of the quarter, start planning for the December. It's like, okay, Christmas is coming. Uh, should we promote the platform? Uh, should we keep the promotion of six months or something like that? You know, a lot of a lot of companies does. Uh, so in that direction, I was just thinking, like, you know, what should be the ideal strategy? Uh, there's no ideal or not ideal, but it's like, what should be our strategy looks like? And uh, I don't have the answer. It looks like yeah, you got some statistics there, so we'd love to hear that. But, yeah, a couple of thoughts. I'll just go quickly. So this is Devin Reed, head of content strategy at Gong. So they're obviously sourcing a lot of sales information, both through audio and video, and then text uh, or like emails and stuff too. And then they're connected into CRM. So they said that buyers sign 78% less contracts during specifically the week of Christmas. There's basically dead zones where um, buyers are have like no shows for meetings or they just don't sign any contracts basically. So he says, if you're going to sell in December, there are three dates 
that are the best dates to close on. I just thought it's so interesting how specific it is. December 8th, December 16th, and December 21st. Uh, so those are basically the, the the dates, and they built out this yeah heat map info infographic. So basically, the 21st is the last hot day to get deals for the year. After that, it just declines. Um, and I think there's some really interesting things qu quickly just out of this, but also like one of the themes that's emerged this year is not obviously acquisition. Customer acquisition is completely and incredibly important, but it's also about retention. So what, what about the customers that we have already? How can we, you know, just say thank you, ex, you know, express our gratitude and also make sure that they're success, they're set up for success in 2022. So thinking about just that outreach and thank you campaign, and we've done a little bit of that through updates and emails, but is there something we can do um, to incentivize use in 2022? I also think this idea of strategy of messaging, and I think we probably could have done a much larger campaign if we maybe had gone through this AppSumo piece, I think we could have leveraged that to then drive this, but more and more investment will be made in NLP next year in data science and using data to drive decisions. How can we leverage that messaging to um, drive adoption uh, for the end of the year and then moving into 2022? And then just a couple last points from conversations I've seen, especially because we're working with some market research and intelligent firms, a lot of their projects are wrapped up. They're done like Christmas, no new projects are coming in. And even we've got, I've gotten some messages about like basically they're not starting or taking any more projects until the start of January. So I expect to see inflow of adoption and use in 2022. Um, I think it's a good time to build good relationships, but in some cases it's not, not easy or necessary. It could probably even be bad for the relationship to try to push on something in a time where, um, you know, they're not really active. Uh, like why were those days selected to begin with though? Is there like some sort of rationality between was like the 6th, the 18th and the 21st? Or is that just based on like a sample size? Just looking at some comments because people are asking the same thing on this infographic and also saying how different this could be between different regions across the world, different cultures, things like that. Um, I mean, more from an intuitive thing, I just think of even for, uh, for myself, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to take off on the 22nd. Like that's my last day. Generally, even to be honest, someone's not going to push me into a sale on the 21st. Like that, it makes sense. Like uh, if, if they're going to be high pressure on me on a sales situation, I'm like, you know what? I got Christmas coming up. I'm going to take the week off. The only thing that I'll see is like, what you will, what you will see the tactic, which sometimes works, but sometimes I think can be bad, which is, you know, this deal only lasts until Christmas or et cetera, you know, these sort of pushes to try to make something happen in that um, piece. I want to share, this is not uh, a slight at uh, any, any of this company at all, but I just thought this was a hilarious a message I got from a company that's trying to close um, me on a sale that's been following for quite a while. They said, we're, we're doing a December contest internally where my boss randomly selects three accounts in her pipeline and the rep who sells the most from those selected wins. You are one of those three, which means I can throw the kitchen sink at you to bring you on board. Any chance you have a couple minutes tomorrow to line up a great deal and make the most impactful purchase for 2022. Let me know what works, works for you and I'll make it work on my end. So like that disclosure from that sales rep of that and like that messaging. And, you know, I'm doubting that there's only three accounts. I'm doubting that that's, I'm guessing that's going to every single contact in their pipeline, but just a hilarious, and that's a high powered sales company. I won't name them, but uh, if they ever watch this episode, they're, they're going to know exactly who they are. <laughs> they are. They'll be off messaging. 
that's a little bit of humor. Makes sense. That's yeah. good. I like it. <laughs> it's it, it's very uh, makes you feel special, even though the the logical part of your brain's like, yeah, <laughs> I know this is a sales pitch. <laughs> you know, and, and they're sure. they're in a, they're in a good spot. They have a great product. Like it's you know they have that luxury. Like it's not some crappy offer that they have. You know, it is a it's an important. Uh, technology and what it makes sense for is lining this up for 2022 to make it impactful. So I like that idea. Everyone's going through resolution time. Some of the topics we put are very reflective or philosophical or how do we prepare for 2022. And if you can capitalize on that, um, there's a lot of opportunity. I think you just want to do it in the, in the right way. It also does connect uh, one of the points with the Nihal, you put it down is like, uh, uh, because we are already on the, on this topic, like, you know, how we can structure the podcast is that, is that something related to this, uh, which is like, you know, looking in the future. Uh, yeah. Do you want to highlight a couple of things there? All right. Uh, Sorry, like, always, always yeah. like, it's just like, it's like, I know the shortcut, I know the keys, but I'll never press it. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, with respect to this, I guess I've been listening to, you know, a lot of times just because of work and everything, when I do listen to podcasts off work time, I guess it's it's like, you know, just random, random things that, you know, don't require too much brain power. But recently I've been, you know, I've actually started listening to the All In Pod Um there you go. Which is good, like but I mean, I, I mean, like it, it's it's hit or miss, right? Sometimes I'm like, these guys talk like rich pricks because they are rich pricks, but they they also give quite a bit of uh, useful insight. So it's it's a fine balance that they uh, that they find sometimes. They try like, to you, manage that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they're self aware, right? Like they're aware yes. that they're rich pricks, so it's yeah. it's 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 fun. <laughs> but um, even in their case, right, where you know it's not necessarily relate to business it's kind of just you know best friends talking to each other um they kind of come with okay here's like four topics um we each come with our perspective on these topics and then we you know have a key i guess key discussion argument debate around those things right so when it comes to uh the things we talk about because yes there you know there, there's room to talk about uh business related things and um, just our, you know, our, how our week went, how I, I think there's room for that. Um, but just trying to think about how we can create genuinely useful, um, shareable tidbits, uh, from these conversations we have that we we feel excited to share with our network and, uh, share on our main accounts, uh, so what that looks like, uh, I, I think we've we've slowly been working slowly. We've slowly been working towards that, but maybe even just having a bit more preparation per point. Maybe we each take I don't know like thirty minutes a week to like you know come up with your top three arguments for topic number one, right? And we have a discussion around it, um, something like that. Because then that way we have consistent shareable content um, for our socials, our personal brand. Uh, and maybe, you know, we expand our podcast audience beyond just people who are interested in speak, but also just people that are interested in maybe some of the insights we can bring to the general, like tech landscape, dev landscape, marketing landscape, whatever it is. So, uh, it would be interesting to see how we can 
you know, build that out. And I'm not sure if you guys have, uh, have some thoughts on that. I think so we talk about in, uh, I need to look at the past podcast, but like oh, last second or third, we also talk about, uh, not exactly in this direction, uh, but like, you know, how like all in one podcast have, uh, I mean, they have their own structure, they have their own team. They have the you know uh, uh, people behind the scene working uh, around their script, uh, the screen setting, the screenshots, the story. Uh, so definitely, they are putting a quite a bit of investment there. Uh, it is it is actually more about uh, either we learn or I either like you know our listener learn at, at the same time. So it's like let's say if you, even if you spend thirty minutes, how we can make it more meaningful, like with respect to two hours for listener or even for ourselves. So. Uh, yeah, I, I actually lost the thought. I was, I was going somewhere. But... I, I would say generally the people who tune in are actually, they really like the conversations and they find, you know, we've actually come in with pretty interesting topics and structure. What we don't have is distribution. You know, like we're just posting this on YouTube, barely any work is going it. You know, at the start, we put a, we would put this on Spotify and podcast, like different podcast platforms, which again, it's going to have very limited sort of discoverability, um, but is at least another method or medium to um, to get that out there. I, I, you know, generally, Vatsal did it too, but he, you know, the one day he... <laughs> So you clipped all those little pieces and then you dripped out those snippets um, for say, yes. a week or two. It's like that to me is more yeah. what needs to be done. Because if unless we get feedback or people start asking us things, then we're, we're just iterating in a vacuum. Um, so I, I know that there are tools that allow us to do that. I sort of refuse to do it until Speak um, allows us to do it, to be honest. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we automatically put these videos into our system. We're almost there in terms of cutting and clipping. We have the subtitling. Like we have everything we can do to build this into our entire workflow ourselves almost. And I think in that we become much more um, powerful in terms of not just the podcast, what we're doing, but also showing the workflow of Speak that is, is possible here. And it also gives us the ability to sort of search and find Again, but then you change the objective. Sorry to interrupt, but the, the, the objective is different, isn't it? The objective I is mean, to... You went into the direction of what we have and what we could have and what are the benefits with the speak. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, I guess so I just, I, I don't, I mean, I could, I could go into another platform and spend 30 minutes chopping it up into little clips that we could drip out. Um, I'm hoping to get that this functionality directly into speak at some point. So, um, and the part that I was just trying to wrap up on a close is like, if there's something trending or something, um, you know, a conversation that's emerging, we can do a search into the speak platform, find a relevant topic and then share upon that uh, as well too. So, um, I think there's a lot more room for us to do better, uh, but until we just like just like speak the product, if we don't figure out a distribution channel, um, then then we aren't. And generally, most podcasts being published today probably not getting that many listeners, probably not getting many viewers. There's just too much information, too much media. So we have to figure out how to sort of clip and get the short little bites. One last point on this is like I actually think I'm trying to figure out you know, one of the sayings, it's sort of a cliche, but it's like when you're a company today, you're like a media company. Um, so how can we sort of embrace that attitude more going into 2022 and trying to think if it was more of almost like a, um, an update or, or like every week right now, there are massive breakthroughs in sort of NLP, new libraries coming out, um, you know, new opportunities, like hugging, you know, hugging faces is putting out these amazing new little, like, how can we sort of build a report on the most exciting new NLP 
um, breakthroughs this week or things like that. So it becomes actually a resource for education, for news that aligns Speak AI with the space that we want to be in. So trying to think about that a little bit more in the direction and hopefully with maybe some investment that comes in. Actually, one of the things that I think could be our best investment would be a video sort of producer editor um, to help us not just produce that content, but then also polish the content that we're doing and then build up those clips and everything. Yeah, to, to, to that point, I think um, maybe the, the direction I was also trying to think about is, you know, generally office hours uh, as a concept, um, I believe it came around this, this whole idea of, okay, you, you host these office hours, you have like, you know, people that want to ask questions, you answer these questions, give feedback, um, uh, all that stuff versus if, if you shifted more towards a corporate or educational podcast, right? It's usually centered around a theme or uh, a topic that, uh, or topics that you try to address, right? So to your point of like VoiceBot, right? Like VoiceBot.ai, like, they do, like their, yeah. yeah, like their VoiceBot weekly, um, where it is, I mean, granted they're a publishing house, like they, that's their business, but how do we maybe, A, just for us to learn, but also for us to share with our existing users who might not be, you know, as plugged in, let's say, into into these useful um, uh, ideas. How, how do we bring that to them in a way that keeps them entertained beyond just here's our platform that you're using for work, right? Here, here's something that we're actually trying to help you get more familiar with, uh, get uh, educated on. And through that, I almost feel like We'll also see how many, uh, how our clients uh, or how our, you know, our community members, um, I, I guess, fall more in love with the concept of integrating NLP and, you know, different, different uh, analysis and topics into their existing workflow. So, you know, like if, if we were to create, I, I think I was looking at Otterly, they have their podcast called like in, in Otter Words, right? right. Cute name. But they're, um, I, I believe, I've never listened to it, maybe I should, but from my understanding from some of the screenshots I've seen, it's, it's them having interviews with different types of Otter users, right? And uh, discussing uh, Otter, obviously it's a pro promotional podcast, so discussing Otter, how Otter is integrated into these various, various kinds of workflows, workflows. Um, ends up being a dual kind of promotional strat, right? Oh, like they bring their community and audience to you and you in turn um, are giving them some sort of exposure. Um, video case study? Sorry? Sort of a video case study? Uh, it, it's, it's like a pod, I guess, yeah, like a video or audio case study, right? So I believe Shopify also, because Shopify, for example, has their own in-house production studio as well, right? Like Shopify Studios. And they do a similar thing called Shopify Masters, where they interview successful e-com business owners. And, you know, it's like a Shopify plug, but it's also kind of like this dual channel for these, um, these founders who, who have this new platform uh, through which they can talk to other entrepreneurs, other founders, talk about their business, their wins. Uh, and, you know, it, it ends up being a useful kind of piece of content um, that isn't too rooted in the product. So it's more about the topics around what that product enabled them to do versus, I guess, like the product buy-in of itself. 
So, you know, for us, if it's like, okay, this is us as speak, you know, help empowering X, Y, Z to do these, these 10 huge things, right. And ex- explaining how that entire thing works for your average end user who might not integrate it in, in these worlds. Right. So, right. so your new, new market researcher, researcher, right. It's how have, you know, like here is the t- traditional path of, uh, how you do your market research, but here's how we have helped this company, you know, uh, make that process more efficient using speak as part of that puzzle. Um, so how we get there, you know, I, I think w- would be a fun little experiment for us to, to build and do, you, you know, I don't think we can do anything as extensive as some of these platforms, unless, you know, like we're dedicating basically a, 20 hours, 25 hours a week to it, right? Because the amount of research that goes into script preparation, finding imagery, all that stuff takes, and actually like distributing the content after the fact takes quite a bit of time. But, you know, if we ever get to the point where we have the means to do that, it it would definitely be interesting to see how we can create like a speak production, right? Speak production house and uh, get useful people, not useful people, get interesting people on the podcast and put out useful information on top of that. So that, that, that that's kind of where my head is on that front because it would be fun. I think A, it would be a fun look at how we run this company and how we, you know, go after, how we're growing and learning, right? So from, from a founder perspective, that's great. But then as like an end user uh, perspective, it's like, oh, cool. Here is like, you know, this is my new favorite market research podcast, right? This is my new favorite NLP podcast, whatever it is, right? So it, it, it'll be uh, maybe quite niche, but at the end of the day, that realistically, like you're going to have to build some sort of niche or some sort of tight-knit community if you want that kind of long-term sustainable uh, fandom, right? So in, in stealing a bit from D2C brands where D2C brands do this really, um, really, really well, right? Where they build this whole, I mean, I don't like the word and to me it's, it's kind of cultish, right? but there's a book called Cultish, but um, it's, it's like, you know, find your tribe or like build your tribe, right? And it's like, what does that look like for us as an, you know, like a, an NLP uh, an AI company who is part of our tribe and how do we kind of bring them all together? Cause feeding, feeding, uh, that's unfortunate <laughs> F- feeding off your point, uh, that conversation you had today, uh, Tyler on, uh, Twitter, you had a conversation with the guy and one of the things he mentioned was, you know, he loves the fact that Otter seems to have built a large community. Right. And that's something that he loves. What, what, what do you say? He loves being part of, or he loves, yeah, so general intent, that yeah, point. exactly. Yeah, so I think, because I think everyone's lost, right? That, that, that's <laughs> like just a fact of life. It's like everyone's lost and we're all trying to find answers. And when you have people that can help you find those answers, uh, you just, you know, you, you just, you're so grateful, right? And you want to contribute to that community. You want to help that community grow. Um, and I think as we build that out, it would be, uh, it would be wonderful for us to, to do that because we're all we all enjoy talking we all enjoy i guess connecting with people and you know actually providing value that extends beyond our work right like we like providing value to the people in our lives to people we might meet so how do we you know take 
the ethos of speak and like translate that into, um, I guess like a f- fun yet educational podcast and alter like other media uh, platform. So, you know, we're doing that a bit now, uh, sorry, last point with our guides, right. Where we're trying to uh, create these easy to digest guides that sure. If, you know, if you're a hardcore person embedded in the like machine learning and like NLP community, a lot, a lot of what we talk about might not really interest you to that kind of uh, academic level that you're maybe used to, but for, you know, your person exploring the space, your marketer, your researcher, your small business owner, whoever they are trying to learn about how they can integrate, you know, things like sentiment analysis or uh, NER into their um, existing workflow to make their lives easier. That's, what we're who we're trying to speak to and that's who we're trying to help and and then obviously we also enjoy working with these people with a higher level understanding of the platform because they help us uh make our platform better and teach us along the way as well so sounded like tyler there sir uh a nice little monologue i love it (laughs) (laughs) we'll see see these we'll see the stats at the end yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) i guess that's anything to add uh anything to add there um you know just quickly yeah, like two of my favorite sort of newsletters or pieces that I look forward to every week, VoiceBot AI and, um, and then Inside. I think Inside, which is off this, uh, which is off Jason Kalkanak, is like, they got like eight people working on that newsletter. So that's pretty crispy, you know, in terms of uh, in everything there. But in the Inside, have you subscribed for different categories? So like you can subscribe for, let's uh, say, yeah. VR, AI. Uh, the business, uh, the stock market. I mean, anyway, I'm just saying the categories. So, and all those four articles, I mean, all those categories articles are very much in depth. Yeah, I think I'm, I, I think I'm just on a general. I seem to get a, a pretty brief uh, or like pretty general like happenings in tech that is obviously really fascinating. But like I fall, like there's been a couple of times where I think it's like you said, Nihal, it's like sense-making um, too, where like one time um, there was that massive update that Facebook did with sort of word to vec uh, and seemingly had like ramifications for the entire sort of speech to text NLP space. And it's just like, to me, that was something that I actually wanted to, I, you know, I asked Fatsal, but I just like, who can I ask about what this means for, you know, us as people who are applying machine learning and AI and NLP, and then what does this mean for business owners? So I, I, I'm thinking about a lot in that lens and, I still do some, you know, some corporate training more on the marketing side, but like taking some of these advanced things, really trying to democratize and teach and educate, educate like piece by piece. I still like, you know, I'm very grateful to be able to have or figured that path out and, and see the value that that produces for someone who attends. And I wanted to do that with, with speak. Like there's a lot of people who are, we're lucky to have gone deep enough into the space to at least have some insights you know, there's other companies doing amazing work in this space, but the more we can share and also share in different mediums at high quality, the more value that we're going to produce. And I hope what we can become is a part of like a, like an important part of the community in general, like, like voice spot AI has become a very part important, like almost a crucial part of the voice tech community. It's like, they're a source if a company needs to, um, you know, update, uh, you know, something that they've done or a big breakthrough or something, they use that as a channel or a medium. And then I've just been supremely impressed by companies like, like Spark. Um, there's a company called Explosion that built out the Spacey Library, Hugging Face, a couple of companies just doing really incredible things where, you know, we're not trying to be... Um, 
like even I would say like competitors with them, it's like, let's bring the, the entire space of NLP, which is an incredible practical way to apply technology and derive value. Let's bring that to fruition. Let's bring that to the world because that's only gonna benefit everyone involved. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay, we're, we lost more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, and, and again, one of the things I found, I'll just quickly touch on it. Like I have been reaching out to some people really who are building large libraries of transcripts. So some of them are Otter users, some of them are other systems, but they're, they're having a challenge right now. And it's very clear, which is like, I'm manually scraping through all my transcripts to find the most meaningful moments. And then I'm asking like, are there consistent things that you're looking for? Or are you, are there, you know, is it, is it different every single time you look at a different conversation or transcript? And sometimes I'm getting like, it's completely different and it's almost net new. Other times it's like, I'm very thematically doing this, but it's completely manual task. And one person today I was talking to like every single transcript they go through and manually automatically or sort of manually sort of theme and subgroup and subcategorize. And it's like, this is what, you know, maybe we're not doing it perfectly, but speak is doing automatically for you. I bet even in that workflow that you said, we're, we could save you 50% of your time uh, minimum. Uh, and you could then use the leverage, for example, custom categories to speed that up even further based on what you're looking for. So those chat, those things are real problems that people are having and trying to overcome today that I would love to be able to lift off. And just one last note, that's why I see you're off mute talked to a really good investor the other day and he said like there are companies that are serving the enterprise space but are not serving the, the small to medium-sized business and like mid-market space very well and it's like a completely different beast and i think from the adoption that we've seen we've seen more like low it's not low, like smaller companies up to like meet small medium-sized businesses who don't have the technical know-how or team but we're creating a very valuable value proposition for them because of that. So just a sort of nice reinforcement or validation of they valued our business because of the way that we're approaching it and the way that we've actually set up the business and software and everything there. Uh, I just wanted to add, you just said a very nice, uh, I would say the a catchy uh, highlighting numbered line for the website, which is like save your 50% time uh, instead of scrapping your transcription. I mean, you of course can, can modify, uh, but that sounds like very much understandable and like, you know, easy to digest. What, what does that mean? So just wanted to add that. Uh, we just said that part. Yeah, I, I think we've tried, like maybe this is us trying to be too honest, but I, I think I, when I brought that up in the past, it's, it's just like, it's hard to know, right? Like, because we don't have a large enough data set. So it's like, if we say, like, for example, in one of our clients' cases, we, we're assuming and just based on the conversations we've had with them, it's actually probably closer to 90% of their time that we've saved, right? Like in terms of like reduction in, in manual efforts, right? Reduction in pipeline management. But it's like, is 90% too unbelievable, right? And like, for example, would someone be like, oh, like what are the stats to back that up, right? Or should we even worry about that until someone calls us out on it, right? Because if we believe it and we know we can prove it, Right. Like in your case, if we say 50% reduction and we can kind of prove that there's a 50% reduction, we shouldn't be ashamed to say that. Right. But if, if consumer, if consumer, like if, if our customer told us mm -hmm. that, would, wouldn't you be believe them? Like, you know, let's say if Tal is talking to someone, uh, it's like he definitely had chat with uh, probably on Twitter or email. It's like, isn't it that the line? 
what we got. Absolutely. Like, so as a testimonial, yes, I, I guess I'm, it's, it's just tougher. How do we do like a blanket, let's say like a blanket header statement, right? Like say 50% of the time used in manually scraping your transcripts. We can 100% say that, right? But it's like, we need to be able at to least, it up. At, at least, least yeah, at least, yeah. So, so whatever number, like if we have a kind of number we're comfortable putting out there, 100%. I think that's a very strong value prop because when people, especially in business, people are, you know, trying to a solve pain. And a lot of times that pain either comes in the form of, you know, wasted time or wasted money. So it's like, if that's what we're saving them and that's the pain we're taking away, hell, hell yeah, we should tell them that this is what we do for you. Right. Um, and in a couple of the conversations recently, because Again, you're as a business, you're trying to save money, save time, make money. And some of the especially investor conversations, it's like, you know, what is the ROI that you're finding for um, your customers there? And like efficiency is always one of them. And I love that's so what because we've got it properly calculated right now. But we know, for example, if you're professionally transcribing something, it's going to take four hours to do one hour file, file basically. Right. So then yeah. at the end, you see like our one company has done quite a few podcasts, few podcasts professionally transcribed and you see how many hours they've saved. And then even if we say, take the average hourly rate of one of their workers, we can get a pretty good calculation of both time savings and cost savings there. And there's a lot of like natural intuitive moments. We had another use case come through where like they were trying to find specific instances of a word through like 10, 15 hours of audio and video. And we, accomplish that in say 15 minutes, what would have taken them 10 to 15 hours. You know, so those are massive jumps. It's just sort of proving that out. And then even that's all like, we not fully released on that, but like the one person asked, how can I take a YouTube video, transcribe it, produce it, and then bring it into um, an Airtable cell. And it's like, for us to be able to prove the efficiency there, it'd be like, do that task once manually and then hook it up and do it. So it took, you know, 16 minutes to do manually. Uh, and then it took uh, four seconds to do automatically. And then we can show that, that, that reduction. So I do think we need to build out some of those, even like as accurately as possible, some of those just percentages reductions. And I remember the first time, again, I came around Gong, I saw Gong, because they were spoke, focused specifically on sales, it was like, Closing time de mm -hmm. decreased by 20%. Average deal size increased by 50%. Blah, blah, net satisfaction score of sales rep goes up 80%. It's like, those are pretty undeniable value props that you just can't really ignore. So how can we build that in knowing that that's been produced in many ways through speak, we maybe just haven't quantified it enough to um, get that get that piece. And just last part is like, that's all sort of has always been an advocate of it. And it makes sense. It's like when we first introduced speak, we talk about, for example, the idea of like 90% of data is unstructured. That 90% sticks with you, numbers stick with you. And so even the more specific we get on the number, the more punchy that becomes. And if we can get that people, you know, get those people to have that moment of realization, it becomes very, very powerful. Great. Okay. Cool. Cool. okay, we're coming up. Uh, 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 okay. Yeah. Um, 
No, I got, uh, I, I actually, I didn't, oh, did I bring any top percent? Oh, yeah, I did. I did. I mean, first of all, quick, quick monthly update. Um, I'm not going to go through the monthly update, just that that's a process that we've built out and share with around about 600 supporters. And then now I think 1600 people who are speak users who are sort of subscribed to it. And uh, it's interesting, right? I can feel it's interesting because sometimes people are very direct and they send a message and say, wow, this is really awesome. Appreciate the update. Other times I see more like, um, it's almost hard to describe, like things happening in the background. So I sent one to um, this guy, wonderful guy named Bernie, works for the uh, Equation Angel Group here in Southwestern Ontario. Um, he must have forwarded it to someone who's the new you know, head of the angel group. They book in a meeting in my calendar for next week. So it's like Bernie never responded to me. But that nice update triggered um, actions. And then another person I have a lot of respect for, I'm actually very excited though, booked in a meeting next week because he wants to join the advisory board. And it's like, so sometimes you have this feeling of like, ah, am I, you know, this is a lot of work. Am I doing this? And does people care? And, and then you get good feedback. And then other times you get like these big things that happen. So uh, n- nothing really to say here besides like, if you are a company, you're trying to grow, you're trying to show that you're on a good, you know, you're building momentum, you're consistent, build confidence and trust, do these updates, you know, don't, there's been months where I'm like, ah, we don't even have much to say this month. I, I shouldn't do it, but it doesn't matter. It's the rhythm um, that really makes a difference there. And I know there's people who have been following now for two years and say, holy crap, these guys have just not stopped, you know, and that, that part, it builds a lot of trust. And I know in general, like, no matter what happens here with speed, people will look at, you know, anyone who's been part of this team as like hardworking, dedicated, passionate, intelligent people. And that, that makes me, me really, really happy. So that's one, one piece there. And then just lastly, that's all. Um, you that, just called the, that, that just called the compound effect uh, of yes. the efforts you put from the day. Yeah. It, it's not like either how much, how, how, how was the growth or what were the numbers? How much revenue is that 13%, 10% or 50% increase? It's like at the end, it's the compound effect that gonna add up. And it's like, if you see, it's like one month's like 50, another month's five. But if you see the compound, it's against like 45. So well, it's, just it, to add that part. it's also like the graph, like that was the first time I shared a graph image. And I think that yeah, was, I think that had a visual impact because you can see sort of the exponential curve of, of growth there. And so if you can visualize the data that's coming out of your company on a longer trend line, sometimes you feel like, ah, like our users only increased 12% this month. But when you look at the total, it's like, that's a pretty significant, uh, actually. So, um, and then that's maybe just quickly, like one of the things that you and I had a discussion on this week was how we've got a new person who joined our team, Nivedita, doing an awesome job. And obviously one of the things you try to do as a team, you bring someone new in, but just in general, you're trying to create a container for greatness. You're trying to create a container for inspiration, passion, and um, you know, just execution from a, a standpoint. And we talked about how do we structure our weekly meetings, our daily meetings better, and how can we bring those habits into the new year so we can make 2022 even more successful. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or something you want to share. And this is obviously, again, there's value for us here, me, you and Nihal, but anyone who's also um, going through standups and trying to figure out what's the best way to do this, to set teams up for success. I think so we change, uh, uh, you know, the standup structure quite a bit. I mean, not quite a bit, but at least three to four times uh, in the past year. 
And uh, when we hire uh, the documentary before, uh, we, we put another new structure, right? Because uh, when you hire people, uh, they have the different patterns of doing work and you learn from that. It's like how you can fit in such a way that impacts in your business and of course in their personal life to not making sure they are not under pressure, they are happy. And of course, at the same time, uh, the, the progress happen at the end of the day, right? Doesn't matter if you put like five hours, eight hours, 15 hours. Uh, so, I mean, the, the weekly meetings or I would say the scrum or the stand-up meetings, uh, usually people does just like, what are the updates, what's done? And uh, is there any, any help uh, you need? So, I mean, in that case, uh, the one question we put is like, you know, how, how, how others can help you out if you have any blocker. And uh, we just talk about, I mean, you know, this week, another question we added uh, is like, uh, what you want to, what you were trying to accomplish yesterday, but didn't, you know, get it. So what does that represent? It's like, okay, you set a goal as a person and uh, you said that's a five things I want to do or three things. But if you are consistently only accomplished to that means something as a person you need to look at. It's nothing to do with the business or what you are doing. It's, it's I would put, to be honest, in the self-improvement, uh, definitely a big believer of that. It's like, if you are not self-improving, doesn't matter where you work, what you work, in which industry you work, it's not going to help you out. So uh, stand up for me, it's basically more about the self-improvement, looking and talking with to you. It's like, hey, you decided these three things, how much you have done, what was the progress, what are the blockers, and how can I ask for the help? So another piece, sorry, Tyler, just last piece is like, a lot of people also have fear about asking for the help. And uh, that's the that's the moment where we can break uh, those, uh, the moment where like, you know, they have a fear to ask others. So it's like, how can I help you or how we can help you out uh, in the process? So uh, that's the insight, Tyler, if you want to add anything else on top of this. I laughed at you. Apologize when I'm a, a known ranter. Uh, so uh, that's uh, we kept that short and sweet. I, I I really like. So you weren't part of the stand up today, but I asked the team what should we what should we be reviewing at the end of the week. Basically, was the question I I asked everyone, and you know it showed to me that we have a great team because Nihal sort of stepped up and said like I want to have the accountability where I say, you know, I'm going to do these three, five things at the start of the week. And at the end of the week, we all review and we go and say, here's what I accomplished. Here's what I didn't. And that made me feel really happy because like, I don't, that's not something you want to enforce on something. It's more nice to see someone on your team actually say, this is what I want. I want accountability. I want to learn. And also that part where what you just said is just because say you are putting five things that you want to do that week and you're only uh, hitting two of them consistently. So what does that mean? Doesn't mean you're a failure. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. That means maybe you're uh, overly ambitious on a timeline scale or that you're maybe just um, uh, under projecting how much it's going to take you to do a, a task well. So it's not, it's not a poor reflection of you. It's more just your own understanding of rhythm and building out hours to dedicate to a task and complete it successfully. And I remember even with Monica, when she first got into this position here, it's like, because they're on a more hourly billing basis, she was under, she was trying to show her efficiency and say like, it's only going to take me this many hours. And then it led her to getting too many projects dumped on her at once and she couldn't execute on them. So by just being honest and real and realistic with yourself and understanding what it does take to do things well, obviously you want to push 
you know, you want to push yourself and get things done in tight timelines, but um, you don't want to be on the other side of that where you either take on too much, you do nothing well, or, you know, uh, you're just not completing the tasks at, at all. So, yeah. Well, I think to that point too, it's uh, because we're all adults, right? And we're, we're all kind of accountable for our time and accountable for the things we want to accomplish. I feel like um, we all have an idea of what what has the most impact, you know, in terms of our actions and our actions with respect to the business um, or with respect to our individual work. So I I think that also feeds into here is what I think I should do, right? Here is what I think um, will have good impact. And then working towards showcasing that impact, right? And and not worrying about, you know, uh, oh, uh, what if, my assumption was wrong because that's the whole point of uh i guess iterative building and learning right it's i i think i'm going to do these three things that'll have maybe it's not a quantitative thing but it's you know here is the um this is the desired outcome or the desired impact and then we actually see if that comes to fruition and if it doesn't come to fruition it's not oh you know you're done like it's it's more like okay, cool. Like, you know, you you executed on this, which is important. You had an outcome in mind that didn't work out, but were there other beneficial outcomes or learnings that came from this process that inform better decision-making moving forward? Right. And and I think that's the, that's kind of our end goal as even just from organizational thinking and culture um, as we grow the team as well. It's if we can build this, this open, um, I guess, thought, you know, like, I don't know the word, but this open environment for uh, growth and learning versus being 100% outcome-based, because yes, outcomes are important, but there's very few people that will hit 100% outcome success every single week or every single month, right? So it's it's more like, are you at least uh, hitting, I don't know, 90% and that 10% is where you're trying to improve every month or even 80% and that 20% is where you're improving. And then the next month you get 85, maybe one month you're 70 because you know, life and like, it's, it's just working towards improving like, like Vassal said, like personal outcomes in addition to helping move the business forward. Exactly. It, it, technically it is not about the number of tasks, you know, because this is not the factory where you need to work for eight hours and dump whatever X number of boxes. It is more about how much impact, uh, you are creating as like if you see my I mean personally you know the stand up the one thing I'm working consistently I'm saying the one thing every day it's like why, why are you saying one thing every day because like I'm focused because sometimes it's not about the number of tasks it's about the complexity it's about the challenge uh, and in the tech right it's like not everything is easy either in the in the marketing too so it's it's what about uh, what, what is that impact ratio look like with respect to the number of hours? And uh, at the end of the day, it's again, Tyler, you already said, it's like, it's not about failure or because you are dumb. It's more about how you are improving because the, the impact or the, the more emphasizes on the impact or your performance. It's not about the other way. It's like, ah, you, you, why, why you failed or what are you doing? It's not about that end. And, and Tara, we definitely know it's like we both know it's like we have an amazing team. We have like Nihal, Vidita, Lawrence, like they're all 
very mature enough to understand about in their day to day at the same time in their personal professional life as well. Uh, so yeah. glad to. Well, we talked about it before, but um, we use sort of this OKR method for planning. And I forget the exact number, but it was like, if you're hitting over 80%, it means your goals aren't aspirational enough. So there's something around, around that. One thing I'm trying to figure out the balance is, if you look from a sales perspective, uh, that in that discipline specifically, it's not really that same flexibility. You know, you have a quota and you hit that quota and that's your measure of success or you don't. Uh, and if you don't, guess what? You didn't do your job. And now there's a lot of different thinking about that now around, you know, how beneficial and healthy is a quota. And there's lots of sort of conflicting arguments on that in, in general, but, um, you know, I guess just trying to, I'm, I'm trying to build that in because in the, if it's the health of the business and, and, and cash and revenue is the, is the, the blood of the business, how do you balance, how do you balance that? And then also what we see sometimes, which is say we're in this end of the year right now, all these salespeople are trying to close and hit their quotas for the year. It's like you then end up making sales that are not beneficial. Like, yes, you're going to hit your quota, but you just brought in a, a customer that you just did not set up for success just so you could hit your quota. And that's going to burn your company in the next year or six months or whatever there. So trying to, I mean, those are the variables that make this whole thing fun and challenging and exciting, but also uh, something I'm trying to play around where sometimes we, ha we have the experimental need and like the teams that experiment quickest get results and then iterate are the ones that win, but then also making sure that we are optimizing and rallying around growth metrics for our business that show that we're on the right path. Maybe it's not always revenue growth, but retention growth or, you know, those pieces there. And just to add, I know we're coming up for time is like, that's something that's become very apparent to me because there's a person who's helping us out right now. And one of the practices that he's trying to be even more pushing on is record all your sales calls. Um, and then review those back. And just in that vein of self-improvement, when you capture that and you review, it's so obvious to see where there are rooms for improvement. And uh, I'm grateful that we have a system like Speak to help us with that. To be honest, it's very clear. I, I, I know from my, damn it, myself right now, I was saying in that call yesterday, about so I was like, I say, you know, a lot. And it's firing into all my conversation. Yeah, and it's hard, right? You're, you're, you're just... Doing that, and then what I've noticed is, I think I've turned the entire team into eye closers when they talk. Like I don't think I've never noticed <laughs> that. I don't think, I don't think I've noticed. I never noticed Vasil or Nihal, and recently in like podcasts and stuff, I've seen you guys closing your eyes when you're going into deeper, yeah. deeper thought. And then I watched the sales call back, and I'm like, my eyes were closed for goddamn fifty percent of this call. And it's so obviously it's helping me communicate better. But as a person on the other end of that call, what does that feel? like and uh, they don't seem to mind all the calls seem to go well but for me it's like i really want to correct this year tyler keep your eyes open and look at the people <laughs> that you're talking to because you're trying to connect and maybe you can connect through your vocals in a better way because you're focused but that's an important part of life skill and i also don't want to be back in person when we're all back together in events just standing there with my eyes closed uh talking to people <laughs> i think it's different I, I think in person it's a lot harder to Close your eyes and talk. Close your eyes. It's because, like, over Zoom, it's almost like it, it gives you the it's sense of, audio. yeah, it gives you the sense of just I'm on a phone call. And it, it's very easy to zone out of the fact that there's like a person on the screen that's a real person, right? 
which is why the meta verse is doomed to fail. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Feed, feeding off of that as like a, um, you know, if if you were to think of a company as, let's say, uh, obviously you, you mentioned something about money and revenue being this lifeblood, right? And I think that's the other thing sometimes. It's, there are, there will always be roles within an organization that are a bit more flexible, a bit less flexible. Uh, you know, like you said, like experimentation and sales isn't really a thing as an example, right? Like I, I, it is. And I think the, the kind of mindset, it, it's going, moving away from just pure quantity to, okay, if you need an extra 10 minutes, right? Per, per let's say per one hour of sales work, to better organize your thoughts, actually vet your clients and figure out where your, uh, I guess, higher chance of success is going to be, that is a worthwhile investment instead of just, okay, here's my list of 200 people today. I'm going to do zero vetting. I'm going to just, you know, this is a list that was provided by this third party. Just going to do zero vetting, go after 200 sales calls. And now I've, you know, feels bad to hit a 1% success rate when maybe at the start of it, you know, I could have reduced that initial list by 50 or by 60, right? And then I, I, I don't know. Obviously, there is a merit to quantity as well. But I think just over time, like, I think you start with quantity and over time you refine and get better at, you know, market qualifying your leads and sales qualifying your leads as well. Um, I just maybe quickly too, is it's like about yeah. this feedback loop. Like I, one of the things I asked about the sort of weekly end review, it's like, how many users signed up? How many, um, how many actually converted to a paid customer subscription, et cetera? How much revenue did we generate through software? And if you don't get that, say you, you had two options in the hour, like I reach out to 200 people and then I, or I reach out to 10 people, much more personalized. If you don't get the feedback at the end of the week of what worked or what doesn't, then you don't even have, like, it's more of an assumption, right? It's like, oh shit, I did 10 personalized emails. Those actually didn't work. I did 200, 2% came through, but it actually led to higher subscriptions and higher revenue. So maybe at, at least right now, I actually do need to go volume and tighten it up. But unless we build that continuous feedback loop and I think make it transparent through the organization and do it just like the monthly update, but even on a weekly basis, basis the rhythm, then we're not going to prioritize the right things. And that's one of the things I'm learning from this investor who's the, you know, the chief revenue officer, which is like every day he's doing stand-up calls in the morning with his entire sales team. And then basically debriefs and coaching calls every week too. So to build the sales organization that continues to grow, keeping in mind, we want to be diagnosing, putting, providing the right solutions and setting our customers set up for, you know, set up for success we might need to think about a better way to make those metrics more transparent and uh, public for everyone to see. And even that, so we had a couple of times, we didn't always keep it consistently, but we would write the number of media uh, on the whiteboard of how much media was uploaded. Those. And those things were, you know, they're almost subconsciously looming on you in a positive way and helping you self-correct in the week. And then it's like, hey, am I contributing to this task right now or not? And, uh, and then that helps you sort of guide when you get lost in those moments between tasks and you're not exactly sure what to do or prioritize. I, I mean, I, I, I know we're running out of time, but there was one last question I had for Fatsal. Um, but oh, maybe okay. did you have a follow-up to this thought? Because then do that first. 
right? Just the last thing is like, you know, what Tyler just mentioned about the number of minutes we used to write when, when we were working at innovation work, uh, but that also brings the, the power and the, the energy of in-person, you know, it's like the team. So that changed a lot of things like your thought process, the way you are thinking, the way even you are executing. Uh, let's say we are talking about the number of users and something on a call, but when you're, let's say, in person, you might talk about another five metrics. like, okay, what is now more important, right? On a call, you might be just concluding that we just want to focus on these four metrics or three metrics. Uh, and and I, I, I had a... I'll send you a link. It's like it was one and a half hour long podcast on are you tracking the right metrics for your business? Uh, and they talk about how business, uh, you know, make the, the metric like, oh, we want to track this metric for a year. And at the end of the year, they realize that, oh, this doesn't even impact on the business, right? So, okay, we, when we decide this metrics, we also need to see, let's say, bi weekly, okay, or maybe a three week of a month. It's like, okay. Are there any different changes? Should we change the metrics? Should we put another number uh, uh, you know, on the table for the team that, hey, this was the number and uh, we don't see any improvements either way, either on business or on the tech or anything like that. So that's another piece I personally learned. It's like uh, also not consistently, but also at times, if you don't see any improvements, make a hard call, change your metric and see if that creates an impact. So that just, the, that was just the, you know? We should do like a a counter, like a yeah. dashboard with all our metrics to see, you know, just just in in like trading floors, right? You have the ticker yeah. that goes by. Yeah, yeah. We should we should have one of those. Um, well, and also like you know, it, it's general, but like I'm, you know, have a Tasia right now and, and training him to pee and poo outside. Uh, um, and every, when he does that successfully, I guess what I give him a treat. You know what I mean? And now he's consistently peeing and pooing outside, you know? So sorry, that's a, but it's like reward people. That's why it, it even again, gong rallied around that. But the idea of when you make a sale, you hit the gong and everybody in the office celebrates and there's that positive reinforcement um, to what's done. And so also just trying to think of that and do it in again, the right way. Uh, I think there's lots of lessons to find around like, you know, sales organizations that aren't necessarily doing the right thing. And unfortunately those, you know, they can continue, but you see it on Google reviews or how people perceive them or, or things like that. That's not the kind of company that, that we want to be, but I think there's some lessons there. And then I just think, think of sometimes like, I don't maybe do a good enough job at it, but it's like, because I never liked it in high school when people played football and stuff, but just like that rah, rah mentality, like firing people up in the morning you know, of like when you have real high sales teams, like they do like basically warm up and like pump up uh, routines in the morning to get people excited to go out and achieve their goals every day. So building that in as part of the culture, as much as I have some pushback against it is important for us and we should be excited. I know when I'm talking to the right people because I'm excited to talk about speak and they're excited too, because this is actually very interesting and powerful and compelling stuff. And if we just align and point the right people in the right direction, there is no need for us to feel like we're selling coal or crappy things. This is all really valuable, important stuff. Okay. That's all. Or sorry, Nihal, question. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if uh, I should bring it up, but uh, you know, you, you can let me know if it's going to take too long, but, one thing that feeds into how we can better showcase, um, I guess, the data we do help people uncover, right? Like feeding into that efficiency idea. Like how, is is it a difficult, like just for me to understand as well, right? Like, so 
I don't know if you were on that pod vessel where we I, I showed off uh, narrative BI. Um, maybe last not. Probably was it the last one? one? I think it was the last one. Yeah. Okay. Um, let, let me see if I can just uh, pull it up real quick. I'm giving them free promo. Um, <laughs> a free plug. A free plug, yeah. Um, so, share screen. Yeah. Don't mind the tabs. So, you know, th this is kind of. Um, so, what this is, it's a narrative focused dashboard um, that kind of gives you insights into your media and into your library in kind of a storytelling like sentence format, right? So here it's like, okay, your page views per session increased by 6%. So I, as someone that understands GA, like Google Analytics, I can go and find that metric, right? But this makes that redundant for me to have to do that, right? Like obviously if I'm digging deeper, I can go do that. But here is just this top line easily un understandable, digestible thing that, you know, if let's say I'm trying to report on something, uh, they don't have this functionality, but, oh, they, they do, never mind. But if I just wanted to share this insight with the team, right, it, it's in a very easily understandable metric or in an easy and understandable format, right? It's not, um, essentially, how is it difficult, for example, to take numbers and format them in a way that is more human readable, right? Uh, j just from my under like my understanding of how the system works and how as we build closer towards something like that, what are some of the challenges we might face? Is that more about a near to the consumer focused or for the internal purpose? Internet? Oh, inter internal. Oh, uh, internal inter purpose. I, I could see it being used both ways, like especially the way we. Um, you know, like, let's say someone is doing market research, like, you know, instead of it being like, okay, you know, you can click the keyword and uh, you can see how many times the keyword was mentioned. It actually surfaces that, you know, this, you know, in the past week, your interviewees talked about Kellogg's, right? 20 times, right? Or like yeah. mentions of Kellogg's increased by 30% this week, right? Uh, and that way they can literally just, let's say, just snip that or share that and add it to a printable report and share that with their team, a client, whatever it is. Um, so kind of taking that, you know, that like, for example, our sentiment right now is um, like- I got it, I, I got it yeah. that part. Yeah. So, uh, so basically in, in, in sort, what is more important is like what type of uh, the sentence structure we want to provide to the consumer. And uh, at the same time, what does that mean to them? Uh, and uh, let's say if someone asked that, okay, I wanted to know X, Y, Z, then that could be our version one by putting on the speak, because uh, to be honest, I would say uh, it has nothing to do with the technical end because you would see in any, maybe maybe different different platforms in different ways. That's on the analytics stuff, even on the Google analytics, right? We have the sentence structure about your website is blah, 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 performing on X, Y, Z. So uh, uh, in short, it is nothing to do with the tag. It is more about the value of those sentences, right? And then if you go one more layer down, then what we just need to find is like, okay, how many media are you uploading, number one? Number two, in last month, you uploaded 50 media. Number three, we are looking for a word which is very unique or the highest frequency in the, in the, in the uh, 
transcription or is talking about the sentiment what what were the top positive negative which we already going to surface on the dashboard and also on the the media library which we are talking so it does cover with the sentiment analysis uh, but when it goes beyond that for the keywords for the location or maybe the custom category and uh, uh, just to kind of glass dot is we don't have anything right now in the pipeline related to this but you also can set up the trigger that if whatever you enter the word which is important to you not for the speak if x appeared more than 30 times hey send me the notification or pop up in the dashboard right so then what we are giving an ability instead of us deciding what is more valuable for the customer Nihal, you decide what is more valuable for you because you have the different sort of podcast or maybe you know the the research firm or the research you are doing so you you decide it's like okay if x custom categories appeared more than 15 times show me here of x what appeared so you know there is conditions where you can put either number dates words phrases anything basically and so, uh, yeah so, so you you kind of envision it as being you know we have this entire back end and we mm -hmm. empower the uh, user to essentially program in a, in a way like simple logic yeah. um, to extract insights. Yeah. Yeah. Why okay. not? I mean, you know, everyone is like, you know, everyone is on mm -hmm. the phone, everybody's mm -hmm. mostly on the laptop now. Of course, you don't understand the whole technical layer, but what you can understand is I want to find X, right? You, you know, when you, when you upload a video, audio, or text, you know uh, why are you doing that. And for those reasons, if we think about if we allow those trigger to the customer, that's gonna change the whole game. It's like, you create your dashboard, what do you want to look at? Is that the word cloud, the triggers, the, the frequency, the sentiment, and, uh, and, and that also, to be honest, on the technical end, solves a lot of problem, to be honest, because instead of us thinking and design statically across all this account, that's gonna take a lot of time, load, uh, saving those data, and instead of that, allowing user to do whatever they want. And then we might need to worry about 15 or 100 or 1,000 accounts instead of 10,000 or 20,000 accounts in the future. So I'm not talking about tomorrow, of course, I'm talking about the next year or maybe six months uh, down the line, but those trigger, it's like we, are, we have this static dashboard or the explore page. Of course, we talk about, we have this card called the dynamic dashboard, where you decide what you want to display. But if you look at the travel board, the, the, the scope of the project, it is still static, right? So at the end, it does create the dynamic dashboard, but it is still, we are giving them the limited option. It's like, hey, here's the 10 checklist, decide what you want to display, right? So, I mean, on the technical end, it's not a big challenge. It is the challenge is how you structure it's like the information architecture or how we it's, let them build their own information architecture in a way. Exactly. So and and to be honest, that that is the game changer, right? Even in the transcription, Tyler talked about for the mm -hmm. uh, Twitter user, it's like uh, I scrap through X Y Z. They already know what they're looking for. Yeah. It's like why don't you set the notification if anything appeared. Uh, you know, on your account, you don't need to look at, you will have the notification uh, on your email. And Tyler, we, we talk about this notification in the medical term, uh, which creates the, the whole different impact. But in this case, it's creating positive impact, right? We are not sending the notification that you are 13% negative yesterday or, you know, something like that. So 
that's a huge difference. Yeah, and I think that would be super. It would be interesting. You know, even in terms of this, the sense of virality or how people use and share things that they've uncovered or discovered. I think if you, like you said, if you maybe shift some of that onus from, okay, we know what's best for you and we're going to build out what we think is best for you. We're going to instead empower you to build, like we'll teach you how to do it, but you know, like I guess creating this more free flow environment for them to uncover the insights that matter to them. And that's the reason we Mm -hmm. we, we still don't say on the platform called no code solution. Uh, And you, you know, the market of by 2025, just see the number on Google, what is the market of no code solution? And that's what exactly we're going to provide is like, no code solution and you will find all this input and output triggers on your finger or your you know on your screen uh and like even how to talk about for one example it's like you know so now if he said those trigger he's gonna receive email after every single meeting that hey again you used x time again you know or maybe hey you improved by 20 percent because you said the trigger trigger and you're only looking maybe a couple of course you can create multiple triggers uh, but that's just the one example uh, so yeah, the part that you touched on there is really important from what I've seen, which is when people are searching for meaning, if they don't have a, a comparison, it, it's very hard to derive that meaning. So you, you just said with the, you know, okay, I said it this many times, but how many times did I say it in my last meeting? That, that's, that's the trend that we, you know, we need to work to help un- uncover. And I've seen this in not just obviously language, but, uh, you know, working with a, a team do marketing. And they say last month, our search engine impressions and clicks went down 50%. Uh, why? You know, and they're trying to find that meaning because they have a benchmark that they're then comparing that data to. And just one other quick part on what you're saying here is in a way, I, I understand the trigger um, piece here. I'm wondering how, what I liked about the narrative BI too is you could see it had that little feedback loop where it was like, was this a helpful card? So there's sort of that iteration um, that is built there. And the other part is I'm trying to figure out is what- from Again, what- Tyler, that, that, was the, that, that was the system created triggers, not by Niha, or maybe I don't know whose account was that, but if you, if you, user. If you add in a keyword into either a default category, if you're creating a custom category, we in a way already know what you're searching for. So I guess there's trying, I'm trying to think of the way that you balance that out. Cause also the other thing is you're not trying to overload people with information or notifications. So that's the other exactly. part where I'm trying to, to balance with. Um, but if you look at the narrative BI dashboard there, it looked like it was almost like a, I forget what the term, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, pagination scroll of cards, you know, like mm-hmm. that you could just keep going down and reading. Uh, I don't know if that's the right solution there, but- um, it No, but the important part, maybe, the important part maybe you missed, uh, I said, is like allowing you to create the notification instead of system deciding notification for you. So I don't see any way why as a Tyler user would be overwhelmed with the notification, unless yeah. for yourself, you said 50 notification. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think that's the, a the story. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the flip side of that is um, there is the benefit of that kind of open structure, right? Like for for example, like Zap, Zapier as an example, you can build out your own Zapier workflow, right? But there is still some level of templatization 
And yeah. right, like that, that's the flip side of that. So it's like, let's say there are comp, like th this is a learning, let's say we notice 200 users, right? Look for the same sort of workflow, right? The same, they set up the same notifications looking for the same generic thing. Then I, I don't think it's that far of a leap to test that out as a system-wide thing where that becomes like a default insight, right? That we try to help people surface. Um, but I, I think to, to maybe tr even train that model, that would come from individual usage and seeing how individuals are setting up the system to work for them after we educate them on how to do that. Right. Just, the, the system becomes yeah. more, more, I know we're at time here, which is like, but if like now with the Zoom Zapier integration, I those all that media is then flowing into the system automatically. So that's where the, sort of the notification insight part becomes very powerful um, because you're starting to get awareness of something that you weren't really doing and it's all happening automatically. And that's to me is where Speak has this opportunity for the breakthroughs. And uh, that's something I hope, well, I know we've always moved towards is getting there. For myself, I know I'm going to inundate myself with notifications in this system, or at least what I look at to me being one of the most valuable things, just like we're doing the weekly review um, at, you know, we're trying to build in the weekly review at Speak of here's the top line metrics. For me, it's like I'm dumping, I'm writing notes before every meeting and while in meetings in Speak. So at the end of the week, I want the summary of what I put into Speak and what, what can I learn from that so that I can help whatever prioritize for next week or reflect or um, you know just have better decision-making moving forward. Like who did I talk to this week? What, um, what links sort of emerged that maybe I should go back and take a look at? Is there any follow-up items that I put into a Speak note after a meeting that I missed and I haven't done that I should be building in and, and making sure that I do? So I think as Vatsal said, there's a lot of opportunity for flexibility. And if we can help people accommodate that, we can create a lot of value within the system. I'm done. I'm sorry. That's it. That's it. All right. It's, it's almost, almost 12. Yeah. That's all. Appreciate you joining. Awesome. This is quite a way to spend a Friday night. <laughs> Nihal, anything? You're, you're good? No, we're good. We're good. We, uh, we, we can always like build upon this and discuss it more in the future as well. I'm going to, I'll tell you that I'm going to do my own through our databases uh, summary of my own review. And, or my own year. So I'll share it with you guys and see what you think and uh, you know how, use that maybe as some inspiration. So I look forward, like I, I, to me, it's very exciting because I dumped a lot of stuff into Speak this year. I don't know what's going to emerge and that's the very exciting uh, thing. So I uh, look forward to sharing that at the end of the year and maybe doing a little case study on it. So, all right, thank you. Everyone, appreciate you joining. Thank you so much. Okay. See ya.